Trapped in Austin podcast. Well, it's good to have you on here. I kind of want to, I don't know a ton about you, but like, I, um, you know, I, your profile seemed really interesting. And obviously, like, you know, I saw that you worked at Austin Monthly, which sounded really interesting as well. Cause I mean, that magazine's been around for how many years now? Forever. I, I know. It's funny. I was looking back. It's one of those things where like people ask me that and I'm like, I should probably know the answer to that. I don't. It's definitely, I think it's been 31 years. Uh, it's okay. definitely been at least 30. <laughs> I don't know like the date and, and month when it started, but yeah, at least 30. Yeah. And I mean, I've lived in Austin my entire life. And so I just, you know, I just have tons of memories of like being at the grocery store with my mom as a kid and like seeing the magazine right there on the aisle when you're going to check out. So it's definitely got some novelty to me for sure. Um, so what you had mentioned something on the, about being on the news. Do you, do you, do you work at a news? uh, So I, um, I've worked, it's crazy. I've worked at Austin monthly for 12 years now. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've had all kinds of different roles here, but in addition to being one of the editors, um, about three years ago, they also gave me the title of brand ambassador, which is essentially like the face of the magazine. Oh, so I'm okay. sort of like the outward facing person. Like I go on the news or I moderate panels or I host events. I kind of do more of the external stuff. And I, and since giving me that, that's when I kind of like really bumped up social media. Like if you look back to before I had this role, like I just wasn't posting nearly as much. Um, so yeah, so I'll go on like We Are Austin, Studio 512 and shows like that and talk about articles, trends, things going on in the city. Yeah, yeah. I was I was wondering if maybe like you also were a news anchor as well and maybe I wasn't aware of it. Because sometimes yeah, people that yeah. work in like entertainment, they have like multiple jobs. So that's why I was curious. Yeah, well, we can definitely talk. I don't I even know. Like, are, is this just like the pre-conversation? I don't even know if this is. Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're, we're recording right now. In fact, I may actually edit some of this out because of like okay. me apologizing <laughs> to you in the beginning. I wasn't sure. If I'm was like, okay, now yeah, we're I, I was yeah, like, I was like, I don't want. <laughs> I don't want the listeners to know that I disrespected your time like that, so I may. Oh, no, it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good to know. Cool. Um, I can't remember what your question was just now, but... Um, oh, yeah, no, like, if you, if you like, had previous experiences like a news anchor, just because you had mentioned news, so I was, like, a lot of people, I feel like, um, and again, I'm just kind of guessing here, but... It, Cause I also have a journalism background and I always kind of wanted to be on the news, but then it's like, I got into podcasting and like, you kind of, I think sometimes you get like pulled into different directions if you have like a really kind of advantageous sort of personality. So I didn't know maybe if you had previous experience as a news anchor. No, I don't, but it's so interesting working in media now because I think to your point, you know, I used to just be a magazine editor. I would write and I would edit and that was it. And I feel like now everybody's sort of their own brand. Totally. Um, and everybody's singing and dancing and has all kinds of skill sets, whether it's social media, going on the news, going on podcasts or hosting their own podcast. It's like, I've, you know, I got my journalism degree at UT and I got it with the concentration in magazine. I always joke with my friends that I'm literally qualified for nothing else. So I'm glad it worked out. But they've apparently changed it to where now now it's more multimedia they kind of train you for everything which i think is really smart oh totally no that's awesome because yeah i think that was kind of like because uh i went to texas state and even and i finished in 2009 and even like around that time there was just kind of like 
a lot of people, I mean, you would hear people being like, oh, because I, I feel like that was kind of the beginning, maybe like the tipping point of like social media really kind of starting to blossom. And you could tell like I, like app apps were starting to come out, like smartphones had really gotten big. And it was just yeah. like, you could tell that there was like this paradigm shift in media going on. And, you know, yeah. um, you know, and then you always hear like, oh, print, print media is not going to exist. And I'm, I really want to get your thoughts on that. Cause I do think that there's, cause I was thinking about this the other day. I think there's always going to be magazines, but just not as, um, you know, obviously as ubiquitous as they are today. But I do think that there's something to be said about having like a hard magazine, having it in your hands, you know, like if you're at an airport um, I, I just don't ever see magazines 100% disappearing, but I do want to get, get your thoughts on that. Yeah. So we actually last year, even though our tie, our name is Austin monthly, we actually switched to bi-monthly and we made the decision that we wanted to be more of a media brand in general. So we are bi-monthly now and we bumped up digital coverage in a big way. We're doing more events, more social media, we're diversifying. I don't think print media will ever go away. Like you said, people like the tactile quality of having a magazine in their hand or on their coffee table or at the beach or an airplane or, you know, wherever you happen to be. There's something, especially like visually beautiful magazines, there's something yeah. really nice about just like flipping through them, seeing the picture and reading. Uh, so I'm a big proponent of print magazines. I also don't subscribe to any print magazines <laughs> anymore, yeah. uh, which is maybe shameful to admit, but you know, I utilize them through digital, I, you know, their social media, their newsletters, things like that. So I think it will always be around, but it's definitely changing. Yeah, no, and speaking of um, like aesthetically gorgeous magazines, I mean, Austin Monthly is up there in my opinion. It's just, I don't know what it is. I mean, I'd, I'd love to know kind of who y'all's design team is and how you guys put the sort of the aesthetics together, but it's oh, it's a really aesthetically pleasing magazine to look at, which obviously from a branding standpoint, like I actually just bought the May issue and I haven't bought um, an issue in a long time, but sometimes like what really draws me because I am to, I am to like, I'm into aesthetics and kind of branding. If I see something that looks cool, I want to buy it. Like, especially a magazine, like if the cover looks right. really cool, it's like, Oh, I want to read that. If the photography is really good. So, um, yeah, I'd like to learn a little bit about that in regards to Austin monthly. Like, is that, is a lot of that, um, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is kind of walk me through the creation process from like putting the magazine together, because I, I do think that's interesting and I don't know a whole lot about that. Yeah. Well, it's so fascinating because print works that our deadlines are so crazy far in advance, just for context. So it's June right now. We are working on our September, October issue. It's all completely assigned. We're writing and editing it as oh. we speak. And we're and we're looking forward to November, December. Like we've already figured out our main features for that. So that's how far in advance we're working. So we're never going to be covering the breaking news. You know, we're never, I mean, we can't compete with that. Of course, we're covering things on digital. So because of that, we have to find a way to tell stories that by the time the print issue comes out, haven't been told a thousand times already. So we kind of dig a little deeper to that. We try to pick innovative angles and we also really focus on beautiful artwork and, you know, photography and creative design because otherwise it's like, well, how do you even compete? Yeah. No, it's so true. Um, 
I'm going to back up a little bit. I want, I want to kind of get your origin story a little bit, kind of like where you're from. And you, I know you mentioned you went to UT. I want to ask you about that as well. But kind of give me like a quick synopsis of your background and how you ended up in Austin. Sure. So I was actually born in Minneapolis uh, and I lived there until I was nine. And then my dad got a job in Amarillo. So I spent half of my childhood in Minneapolis, the other half in Amarillo. And I always say the thing I love about Austin is it's sort of like a love child of those two cities. You know, it's Mm -hmm. sort of progressive and artsy in the way that Minneapolis was, but it's also, you know, it's Texas, it's friendly, like there's just a likability here. um, And I think it combines both of those. So my sister went to UT and as soon as I came down to visit, uh, to Austin to visit her, I, you know, completely fell in love with the city as one does. Um, So I had written really my whole life. I, my mom says I started reading when I was three. I started writing very, very young. I always loved writing. And it's interesting when you come of age, because when I was in high school, it was right during the time where in movies and TV shows, in my opinion, there was no more glamorous job in the world than being a magazine editor. So this was the early 2000s, right? This was like Carrie Bradshaw writing for Vogue. Yeah. how to to lose a guy in 10 days um, and 13 going on 30 and all of these, if you think about it, like at that time, movie and Devil Wars Prada was huge. You know, movies were really glamorizing that job and I had already loved writing my whole life. So I decided to go to UT and get a journalism degree. Like I said, I I concentrated on the magazine track there. Um, Yeah. So I graduated in 2007. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you about that. I love movies by the way. So sometimes I like to, I'm, I'm going to ask you this at some point, but I, what, what do you think was going on in our country kind of culturally at that time? Why do you think that that was sort of like a kind of a common theme in film at the time? Sort of the glamorization of like being a magazine editor. Do you think there was something think, culturally going on? <clears throat> yeah, I think the nineties, the economy had been good. There was sort of an opulence there you also just have to keep in mind, like, the internet wasn't what it is now. You know, social media didn't exist. There, You know, things were just different. So, I mean, people, people, you know, women especially were running to their mailbox once a month or once a week, super excited to pick up, you know, Vogue magazine or Cosmopolitan or Glamour or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, so I think it was just the timing of, like, the economy, there was something really exciting about New York at that point. Yeah. And the fact that there wasn't all this competition that influencers didn't exist back then. I know. No, actually, you, uh, I think you hit it right on the nose. It's like the uh, magazines, I used to love just like fingering through magazines when I was a kid. Like, I, I just mm-hmm. remember going to, bar- I used to spend, so much time at Barnes and Noble, even as a teenager when I was in high school, because obviously the internet was not the cultural behemoth that it is now. But I, yeah, I just like, I've always just loved magazines. And that was like kind of how now it's like Instagram just feels like a big magazine. That's like the interface. It's kind of like a way everything is sort of concentrated in one area. And it's like, if you were into, if you had a bunch of different interests, like for me, it'd be like music, or if I wanted to read about outdoors or whatever the case may be, I would have to go to the Barnes and Noble and look through four or five different magazines, right? For all these different topics. Now it's like the information I'm getting, you know, um, spending three hours in an afternoon at Barnes and Noble, I'm getting in like 20 minutes on my phone. So yeah, it's an interesting point. I didn't really think about that. And that, that, I mean, magazines really were kind of like 
yeah, just the representation of like what all of our interests are culturally at the time. Yeah, they were a huge source of entertainment and also information. And now the internet and social media are the huge, and to some extent influencers, or I guess to a big extent influencers are are the source of those things. So, you know, it's never going to, when I first started here, Austin Monthly was monthly and every month it was 200 pages. I, it's never going to be that again. And that, you know, that's not through any fault of our own, I don't think. It's just times change and, you know, you kind yeah. of adapt or die. So, yeah, but I mean, I my parents subscribed to The New Yorker, so I grew up reading that and, you know, laughing at the cartoons, even when yeah. I was really young. I mean, I was reading Seventeen Magazine when I was 12 and learning about boys and sex and health and, you know, all these different things. Yeah. And I, I really grew up loving magazines and I still do love magazines. I love sitting in a doctor's office and looking through them. I love, you know, every time I fly anywhere, I always buy a few and take them on the plane. Like, I still really enjoy them. Yeah, no, absolutely. In fact, I actually um, took one out of a doctor's office the other day and I felt bad about it. But that used, <laughs> there used to be a time when that was like, okay, I'm sure they probably don't appreciate that now. But <laughs> um, well, your secret is safe with me. I know, right? Now everyone knows. Um, yeah, so what I, I want to get your thoughts kind of like, how do you feel? Because I mean, what year was this again when you moved here? Because you were here so for... I'm- I moved to UT in 04. Oh, um, I graduated. I tested out of Spanish in high school. Of course, promptly forgot all of it, but uh, <laughs> it saved me a year of college. So I graduated college in 07 and then got several magazine jobs around the state before coming back to Austin in 2011. Okay. So you've definitely seen uh, the evolution of the city the last like 10, 12 years for sure. What What is kind of your opinion on just kind of uh, the rapid change? Because I deal with a lot of duality from it. Like, I think a lot of it's cool, but I also at the same time, it feels so, the velocity of it sometimes feels very weird. I don't know if there's ever been, at least, you know, in the post-industrial revolution era, I don't know if there's been any other kind of modern contemporary American city that's had this much of a makeover within such a short amount of time. Truly, totally. when I think about it. Yeah. So it's it's really, from a sociological um, aspect, it's, it's really... Um, there's just a lot of polarity there. Like, I'm really curious to kind of get your thoughts on it. I think I'm, I'm like most people in that, you know, there are things I love about the changes and then there are things I hate and things I'm really nostalgic about from the past. But I think that's just the nature of growth and time. And, you know, you, you kind of take the bad with the good. Obviously, the prices are insane now and, you know, traffic is crazy and there are things that are frustrating but there's also been so many amazing restaurants and artists and you know growth here and buildings and amazing concepts that never would have been here if not for the big boom here and you know people say to me how could you have had the same job for 12 years don't you get bored and I'm like this is the most dynamic city in the country no this job doesn't feel the same now it feels different than it was two years ago five years ago it's completely different so I think it's exciting. I mean, I tend to err on the side of positivity. There are certainly things we can complain about. There's certainly challenges the city's had. But, yeah. you know, in general, it's exciting. I mean, it's not like we're in a city in decline. Everybody wants to be here. Yeah, it's bizarre. As a kid who's from <laughs> here, it's very strange. It was just like Austin. Austin was always like a cool city. And I think that's why I never left. Also, like my family lived here, so it was really hard. And I just had like a good group of friends. And I think you kind of get in a comfort zone with that. And then also the job market was good here too. So it's like hard to want to walk away from that. 
But it, yeah. it, it is a kid who grew up here. It's like just it is kind of strange. It's really bizarre. But I I live more on the north side of town, kind of up by where the domain is, and you don't notice it as much up here. But anytime I actually drive downtown, it's almost like there's just always like a new building popping up, and I'm just like, wow, this is so wild. The other thing too that's really kind of overwhelming at times is, especially if you're what's the term like if you're a restaurant or or how, what's the term? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, I butchered that. <laughs> I if, think people say rest. It's interesting because it's spelled restaurateur. Yeah, actually isn't an end that this is like a common copy. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I think people say restaurateur, but I don't know. You guys can fact check us on that. <laughs> yeah, um, it is so wild, especially in the last like two years in particular. There are so many new restaurants and bars. I can't even keep up. It's like, I used to kind of try to pay attention to that stuff a little bit, but then it got to a point where it was like almost too overwhelming. And I was like, I'm probably not even going to go to half these places anyway, because I live yeah. more on the North side. But yeah, it's just, it seemed like every single day it was like some new place just popping up on Instagram. And I'm just like, kind of going back to your point, it's the economic growth here, I think is unparalleled right now in the country. It's like, yeah. it, it's almost like COVID really didn't phase our city as much as I think it did other places. Because right. there was a lot of investors and people who kind of doubled down, I feel like, throughout the pandemic. And they were like, oh, I'm opening a restaurant anyway. Yeah. You know? And I think so it worked wild. out for them. Because, um, you know, it's, it's really been crazy to see the shifts. I will say, as someone who goes out six to seven nights a week like a crazy lady, you can't keep up with all. I try to go to all the new spots and keep up with everything, and you really can't. I mean, you can't, you can't even, even if you're going out all the time, you can't possibly keep up with every single spot. But, you know, that's what we try to help people with curating, like go to this spot, don't go to that spot, you know, try and give recommendations based on having experienced most of it. Yeah. Um, One thing that I do think is interesting about Austin is, you know, obviously we have Austin FC here now, um, but like for a long time, we were the largest city in the United States without any professional sports. Yeah. And um, I do think like one of the things I wish Austin had a little bit more of, like there's not really like a thriving sort of museum scene here. And maybe I'm totally off base here and I'm curious to get like your thoughts. So like in, in cities like Dallas and Houston, I feel like there's like, there's like a lot of museums. Their zoos yeah. are great. Um, we don't really have any like amusement parks here. Uh, do you see that happening like in the near future, or do you think that we just don't have the infrastructure for it? Like I've always wondered why there's not more of that here. Because yeah, it always seems actually, like restaurants and bars, right? That some kind of seems to be like sort of like the staples that are constantly popping up all the time. But then you don't really there's no one that's like, hey, let's let's have a bigger zoo or let's have let's build another museum. Like I don't see a lot of that. Yeah. No doubt. We actually did a whole column um, in one of our recent print issues on, like, why is the art scene here, the art scene so, I don't want to use the word lame, but it's like, it's it's, it's nowhere near Houston or Dallas or Fort Worth, and like, yeah. what are the reasons behind that? And I didn't produce that particular feature, so I can't remember off the top of my head. I do know one thing was, like, it, Austin's kind of younger, and it doesn't have the, as much money here as some of those other cities, which yeah. obviously money can be really instrumental in those things. But I will say, you know, the Hope Gallery is going to be reopening sooner rather than later, and I think that's really going to be kind of a cultural hub and a big space for artists. So I'm hoping that's going to infuse a lot of energy into the art scene in the city. Yeah. 
No, it's funny you said that the Austin doesn't have as much money as those cities. And you know what? That's so true in theory. But then, like, I feel like there's a shit ton of money in Austin, too. I'm like, I think there is some. And I think more yeah. is coming, which is going to yeah. build it up even more. But I think those, like, established families, you know, in some of those other cities. Like those legacy really, like, families. The, yeah. You know, philanthropists really, like, put a lot of money into stuff. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, for example, just to kind of um, piggyback on what you said. So, like, the Fort Worth Zoo, right? Have you ever been? Yeah, it's great. It's, it's incredible, but it's privately owned, right, by the Bass family. And so they just pour a bunch of money into it. I didn't know I, – I love going to the zoo. I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about zoos, but I just – I've always liked going to the zoo since I was a kid. And I remember I went to the Fort Worth Zoo for the first time, like, five or six years ago, and I was just mind-blown. And then I kind of did a little bit of research, and I was like – Oh, this kind of makes sense. Like there's publicly funded zoos that are kind of like libraries. Yeah. And that's why some of them kind of are a little more lackluster and don't have the same kind of amenities. But then if there's one that's privately owned by some, you know, multi-billionaire family or maybe they don't necessarily own it, but they donate a lot of money to it. I was like, oh, that makes sense. You have to have these legacy families that are very wealthy that are willing to pour a bunch of money into stuff. And I mean, we kind of have that here with the Moody's. But I was going like, to say the Moody's, but they're putting it in the live music. Yes, that that seems to be kind of their main interest is 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 live music, which is is great. But sometimes I wish we kind of had like, like sometimes um, and it's easy for me to say this just because I'm fr- from here and I'm not trying to sound negative at all. But at times Austin does kind of feel like a one trick pony a little bit in the sense where it's like if you want to go out, eat good food, drink, listen to music great place for that but if you want to do like other things like kind of stuff like we were talking about like museums maybe like a zoo and amusement park we very much lack in that aspect i feel like culturally i totally agree though i will say talking about amusement parks i don't know if you're familiar but you know circuit of the americas is opening coda land which is gonna have all of these crazy rides and roller coasters so i do think that's gonna be huge Okay, I have not heard about that. Do you know when are they breaking ground on? Have they broke ground on that already? I'm not positive on the timeline. And I'll tell you, working in the magazine world, I usually, whatever timeline they float, I'll usually add six months to a year just because (laughs) I don't want to say I've been burned too many times, but you know, I just always assume things will take longer and cost more money than uh, companies expect. I also hear there's always tons of red tape in Austin trying to, you know, increase anything. So I don't know the exact timeline, but I think that that's going to be huge. I mean, Austin was just named as a, you know, one of the top 10 biggest cities not too long ago, right? Didn't we finally crack the top 10? Oh, that would not surprise me at all. I, I never saw that, but that that would not surprise me at all. Or we might be like yeah. right at 10 now, maybe yeah, from I what I saw. Yeah, I we were 11 and now we're 10. And it's funny because for years we kept, you know, having the number one spot of like the places you should move or the places yeah. people wanted to move. And then it was like this year we cracked number 10 in population, but then we plummeted to I think like 40 <laughs> desirability oh, yeah. to move here, which I found hysterical. Um, but I still, you know, like I said, I think it was an amazing place to live here before. I think it's amazing now. It's just shifting. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, it's just, it's not it's not bad. It's just different. It's just different. Yeah, yeah definitely. For sure. And there are things we can work on, certainly. Um, you know, like Austin's one of the, I think it's the biggest metropolitan area where the black population is actually declining, which is insane and a massive problem. So, like, you know, there are certainly things that the city needs to work on. Yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. Um, 
couple things I want to ask you about. These are kind of just more fun questions, but I ask everybody this. Um, so like what were, um, like a few movies that really kind of influenced you growing up and also like maybe a few bands or music acts that you were really into oh, growing up. They don't even have to be oh, your favorites. Like just a few that you think off the top of my head. I know. Like I, said, a- I was very influenced by those movies that featured magazines seeming so glamorous. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously days and confused was like, just in terms of like Austin culture that, yeah. that always resonated with me. Oh, it's hard to think of this. No, it's okay. Um, I, it's actually like yeah. a harder question than than you would think. It's like you ask people that, and they always have to like kind of think about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, love music. I always go to you know ACL Fest and South by and all the festivals. But it's just it's the same thing as like you know people will say to me like, what's a what's a restaurant you recommend in Austin? And I'm like, all right, well, do you want sushi? Do you want Mexican food? Do you want expensive? Do you want Bargain, do you want East Side? I'm like, I can't just like name any restaurant. I know, you know it's I mean? a loaded like, question, need, isn't it? I need parameters. Um, yeah, I'll marinate on the, on the, you know, movies and music, but certainly, I mean, I try as best as I can to keep up with that stuff just because, you know, it influences my writing. I like to have a sense of like what the trends are, sort of what the cultural yeah. zeitgeist is at any moment. Um, I will say, uh, pivoting back to the restaurant scene, one thing I've kind of noticed recently is I feel like a lot of places are opening up with more of an emphasis on how it's going to look on social media versus actual substance uh. and quality. Um, and I completely understand the logic behind that, but it is sort of disappointing. And I won't name any yeah. names of places. No, um, I want you to elaborate on that a little bit. So I, I want to make sure I'm interpreting that. So it's like, it's almost like set up to where it's going to look good in pictures, but then maybe you're there and like the cert, the customer service isn't as good, or maybe the food doesn't taste as good. Like, give me kind of give me more like exactly. a exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's like it's the colors are going to pop or the decor is going to pop or it has a specific wall with some kind of clever, you know, neon sign with some sort of saying or some kind of drink where, you know, it's, it's got a, snake coming out of it or a, a you know, <laughs> right. bubble that pops or like whatever. And I mean, all of that stuff is fun and cool, but you know, at the end of the day, like, especially with restaurants and bars being so expensive now, like it's not uncommon to go out and order a cocktail and it'd be $18. I know. You know, you, you, you want to have the quality too. And I think there has been sort of a shift towards what looks beautiful on Instagram. And listen, I'm as bad about it as anybody. You go to my Instagram, I'm doing all this. So I'm not, you know, I just, but that is sort of like a trend that I'm noticing. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And that is so true though. It's like, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I like to go out. I don't go out as much as I used to, but I, that's one of the things that feels very odd to me. It feels sort of gimmicky is like you go to some place like you order a margarita and it's gone in like three sips and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I just paid like $17 for this. It's, I just, it, it's kind of strange. It's almost like, yeah, I don't – does that seem sustainable to you? Because I, I, I think about this sometimes. I think what happens – and this is just my theory. I could be totally off base here. But I think younger people, like people in their 20s – are kind of more susceptible to like spending that and not really thinking twice about it. But I think older people that maybe have a little bit more perspective, they kind of look at that and they go, oh, this is like kind of like a gimmick, like a get rich quick kind of thing. 
But like younger people, just because they're young, they're out living their life, they kind of don't get, give a shit. They're just like, oh, right. I, don't, I don't care. Here's my here's my dad's American Express. I'm not thinking twice about it, you know? But like, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to me because I, I often wonder if that's sustainable to have stuff be that price here. Because it's not well, LA, have, it's not I New York. For the 20-somethings, I think sometimes they almost have the thought of like, I'm an adult, I'm a grown-up, I'm going to spend $18 on this cocktail. Whereas yeah. like 30 plus, you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Right, <laughs> it's right. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think part of it though is real estate is so expensive here now that a lot of these restaurants are charging these crazy prices sort of because the buildings itself are so expensive. We actually yeah. did an entire column called Is Middle Class Dining Dead? Because we were noticing that, you know, it's like you're going out to dinner on a date or with a friend or whatever, you know, on a Tuesday night going to a new restaurant and you're spending $200 and you're like, okay, well, this is what I used to spend on like a special occasion dinner. Yeah. And now this seems pretty standard. So it's like there's either these really expensive shishi restaurants or food trailers. Yeah. And like we're like, where's the like middle ground kind of like curvy lane, you know, like Houston has a lot of more like middle ground dining spots but think about it houston's just so much bigger you know they've got a lot more real estate and a lot more space so it is interesting so i think there's a few layers there yeah no it is it definitely kind of deters me from wanting to go out as much you know you know what part of austin that i really like and i generally like to go out at when i do is i really like old burnett road over there kind of Mm -hmm. like where lala's is and like um jenny's longhorn saloon there's some really cool, like, kind of more um, hole-in-the-wall type restaurants over there and bars. And that's just, like, a really fun area to go hang out at because, to me, it's kind of one of the last uncompromised areas of Austin that still very much looks like how it did 20 years ago. Aside from a few apartments that have popped up, for the most part aesthetically it looks exactly the same as it did 20 years ago it's not very compromised over there and that's what i love about that area and a lot of people i feel like don't really because it's in that weird spot between the domain and downtown so i feel like a lot of people unless you've lived here for a long time or you're aware of it a lot of people don't even know to like go out over there i totally agree i think burnett road still has that kind of old austin vibe and i still i love it i also think north loop feels very frozen in time and I think a lot of, you know, people who are newly moving to Austin don't even know about these areas, no. which makes it feel even more kind of like, if you know, you know, like if you've lived here. Um, yeah, no, those areas are wonderful. And it, it's almost like sacred. I just hope that they totally. can kind of stay how they've been. Because you look at South Congress and it's like, it seems like with every passing season, there's a, you know, Lucy in disguise that's closing and then there's an Hermes or a Soho house or, you know, whatever opening. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is just like so completely different from how it was. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I I just love kind of that middle area between downtown and the domain because yeah, it just, it, it doesn't look much different again, outside of like some apartments that that have popped up. It just really doesn't look that much different than it did 20 years ago. And yeah, I, I get some comfort in that. It's kind of got that, like, funky, cool vibe to it. It's, yeah. not, it's not quite so flashy. Like, those spots aren't, you're not going to have the, like, Instagram-worthy, you know, photo ops and gimmicks. It's more just, like, actual substance. No, I totally agree. Yeah. With you being um, brand ambassador at Texas Monthly, talk to me a little bit more about that. Because you did mention that you kind of um, 
you know, you go out a lot more than I do, obviously. But is that is that kind of required in your job, you feel like? Or is that just kind of more on your own accord? Like, do you do that because it kind of fits in with your role? Like, kind of talk to me a little bit about that dynamic. Yeah. Well, just a quick clarification. I'm at Austin Monthly. Uh, Texas Monthly is amazing. Um, oh, sorry know, about that. Different publications. Just, just FYI. They're oh, both yeah. in Austin, so it can get confusing. Um, yeah. Yes, we love Texas Monthly. Have I been saying Texas Monthly this whole time? I really. I think you've been saying Austin Monthly. I just okay, wanted cool. to clarify. Awesome. No worries at all. Yeah. Um, yes. I basically, I'm just exceedingly extroverted and curious. So I was kind of already going out all the time anyway. And, you know, through our job, there's always media events where they'll say, hey, come, you know, try this new restaurant, check out this new bar, come to this new spa, come to this new insert the blank. So I was already kind of doing that and taking advantage of that because I, you know, it's interesting to check out these new spots, especially right as they're opening up or or even before they're opening to the public. So I think that they saw that that was something I was already doing just on my own time because I enjoyed it. And so they were like, well, why don't we kind of, and you know, there were a few times where I had gone on the news and that was something that I enjoyed as well. So I think that they saw that that was something that I had, you know, interest and and like a skill set that fostered that. So they kind of tailored that part of my job around interests that I already had. Very cool. Um, Well, yeah, Madeline, before I let you go, what's kind of on, you got anything like exciting kind of on the horizon that you're working on right now or kind of what's, I don't even know if you're allowed to talk about this stuff, but like kind of, is there anything kind of new going on with Austin Monthly? There's things I want to talk about, but I don't think I'm allowed to talk about them yet. But yeah, Yeah. all I'll say is like, you know, now that we're sort of diversifying from just print, like we... We have some really fun, exciting events coming up. You know, I think our digital coverage, we've really bumped up in a way where we are covering things that are happening that day or, or, you know, coming up soon or things like that, where we were never really able to do that in the past. So I think even for those who knew Austin Monthly back in the day, uh, you know, give it another look or check out our website if you haven't seen it recently, because we really have shifted and adapted to the times. Very cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, everybody listening, go support Austin Monthly and Madeline. This was an awesome conversation. I appreciate it again. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. Take care. Trapped in Austin Podcast.